Welcome back to the Just James Horror Review. I'm your host, Just James, and today, day 14 of our 31 days of horror, we are going to cover the day the earth stood still. Well, hello there, listener, and welcome back to the Just James Horror Review. I'm your host, Just James, and today, day 14 of our 31 days of classic horror, the day the earth stood still. I said that word, steel, steel. The day the earth stood still. Still? Steel. I said steel. Still. The day the earth stood still. Now, the day the earth stood still is from 1951. It was taken from the short story Farewell to the Master, which was written by Edward North, or I'm sorry, Edmund North. He wrote this story in, I don't know, some kind of sci-fi magazine or something like that. And apparently he wrote it in response to all the nuclear war stuff that was going on during the time of the Cold War, which is the period of which this movie exists. And he was also a war veteran himself, so that's why, I guess, he can speak to things like this. And that's why I feel like the film feels a lot more authentic. Anyway, The Day the Earth Stood Still is a black and white film. Very cool. It is on... Every American top sci-fi horror list there is. Top 10, top 100, whatever, you name it, it's on there. It's on, known as like one of the top five most heart-pounding sci-fi films ever, whatever. Now look, if you watch it, and it's a good film, you're going to hear all this hype and be like, I mean, it was alright, and it is, it's alright, but... You have to think about the time in which it came out. With all the special effects, all the kind of hysteria that it created and that it showcases on the film itself. Just really, it's cool, it's palpable, it's believable. And so, given in the context of which it was shown, yeah, absolutely, I would agree with all of that stuff. Now, watching it now, you're going to be like, oh, that's just a dude in a paper suit. Like, he's not really an alien, it's just a guy in, in some tinfoil and stuff. The spaceship, actually, pretty cool. I'm going to say pretty cool graphics for the spaceship. And not bad graphics for when the alien guy is melting stuff. Pretty neat for the time. It is 1951. And along with it is a great story and everything else. But we're going to get right into it because i got a lot more of these to cover. Day 14 of our 31 days of classic horror, the day the earth stood still. Let's get into it. All right, the first thing I want to say about this film, Aunt B's in it. Do you know who Aunt B is? If you don't, sorry, look it up should know. Anyway, Aunt B is in this film and she's very much the Aunt B that she is in in every other Aunt B role that she plays. <laughs> but yeah, so she's in this film. Anyway, our film is well, we'll just say what it starts out. It starts out with a spaceship and it comes to Earth and it lands so it takes zero time getting into the story. There's no big lead up to it or anything. It starts with the big event, which is the spaceship coming down, landing in Washington DC. And everyone crowding around thinking, what the hell is this? What's going on? It's surrounded by tons of spectators. Of course, the military and everyone else comes out to wait and see what is going to happen. Also, a lot of stuff from this movie is there's a lot of not only scenes, but storyline and certain things that happen that you can see in all of the great horror, uh, or, sorry, not horror, but sci-fi films that you can tell have gained a ton of inspiration from this particular movie. Again, solidifying the fact that it is and deserves to be on a lot of the top 100 lists. Anyway, the spaceship lands. Everyone's wondering, waiting to see what happens. They got a lot of radio broadcasters going on. Apparently they are and were famous actual broadcasters at the time to kind of help build hype for the movie. Apparently this movie had a whole lot of money um, in its production and all that. So that's a, another cool part, which also gave it a little more teeth, you know, that made it a better viewing uh, film. 
All right, so anyway, all these guys are standing around the spaceship, and it begins to open up, and a big old ramp slides out of it, and a spaceman walks out with a fucking milk jug on his head. <laughs> it's not actually a milk jug, but when you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Anyway, spaceman comes out, and I want to say he actually starts with that he's here for peace, that he doesn't come to do them any harm or some kind of, you know, quote or whatever where he says, coming in peace, not here to do you any harm. Now, look, there's going to be a lot. It's, 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 I don't know if it's certainly a political movie, given the guy that wrote the story and that it was a response to the increased threats of nuclear arms and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to say it is. However, it is still a good movie. It doesn't just have to be a political film, but he comes out talking about peace and you can guess what happens to him. He ends up getting smoked, right? <laughs> With probably an American-made firearm. <laughs> anyway, he comes out, he starts talking peace, but he reaches into his little spacesuit and pulls out something and points it at everyone, and it opens up and looks all aggressive. And so one of the military guys figures shoots the guy in the arm and also shoots the device that is in his hand. So he's either a really good shot or a really lucky shot. So after he shoots the spaceman, spaceman goes down, and you're like, oh, fuck, what's going to happen? And you're wondering, like, has he got weird, green, gooey space blood coming out? I don't know, because it's black and white, so he won't be able to tell anyway. But when he does this, oh, shit, something else comes out of the ship. What is it? It's a giant robot. The robot that is synonymous with this film, the one that you see in all the pictures, it's Gort. Gort the robot, which I thought is the least toughest name ever. It makes it seem like a Disney cartoon that they named him Gort. But who am I to judge alien language, especially fake alien language? Uh, so Robogort comes out, and he's very menacing, and he's very large, and he comes out, and he's expressionless because he's a robot, but he instantly gets to fucking shit up. So Gort comes out, sees his homies down there shot, and just starts frying things. Like, he's melting tanks, he's melting guns, he's just getting to work on these people, which is exactly what they were afraid of. All right, after the... Robot, after Gort ends up frying a couple of stuff and making his presence known, I think he shuts down. He has like a little visor or something that opens that lets you know he's about to get to work. And then it closes when he's not. And they go and pick up the alien, the original guy who came out to talk to him. And his name is Klaatu. So Klaatu wakes up. Klaatu? 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 Klaatu. We'll say Klaatu. So Klaatu wakes up. And he's in a hospital bed. So they've come and picked his body up, took him to the hospital, tried to heal him. And the doctors come out and they're like, I've never seen anything like it. He's only been here overnight and he's already healed up. There's no wound. There's no scar. So now we understand that this guy, this alien, this Klaatu, is something special. He's something different. But he looks like a human being. So in the film, they don't, you know, they don't put any weird antennas on him or try to paint him a different color or give him, you know, big, gigantic eyes or something like that. They just took a human actor and just had him you know looking very much like a regular person so i like the fact that they did that because i think too much would have been a little corny maybe back then it would look cool but the robot already looks a little cheesy even though he's doing some pretty crazy dramatic stuff uh it's just better that way that they didn't put uh Klaatu in some kind of weird you know gimmicky thing that way you could pay more attention to the story is what i'm saying all right so a representative from the government comes down there starts talking to Klaatu, and he's like hey What's your business here? What is it that you want? You know, your robot's kind of frying all of our stuff. We're worried you're trying to kill us. We want to know, why are you here on Earth? And Klaatu just pretty much tells him, I'm not going to talk to you about this. I want to talk to everybody, all the world leaders. Get everybody together in one place so I can talk to them. And they have this discussion back and forth where pretty much the government guy's like, uh, you kind of don't understand what's going on. And I think this is still, you know... It's 1951. I'm not real for sure what all different wars or world wars or things that were going, not world wars, but like things that were going on 
all over the world at that point. I don't know what countries weren't getting along at the time, but that's kind of the point of the film is this Klaatu guy doesn't really get it. He's just like, okay, well, why can't you all just be together in the same room so I can talk to all of you? And the government guy's like, ah, you just don't understand, dude. Just no way I can make this make sense to you. And then Klaatu's like, that's exactly it. It doesn't make sense. Why don't you guys quit being babies and just all get together so I can holler at you for a minute? And the dynamic between peace and war in this film is really heavy-handed, but it also made me think of, especially this scene, of a... Well, you know what? Let me, let me listen, listen to the scene first. I want to meet with representatives from all the nations of the Earth. I'm afraid that would be a little awkward. It's completely without precedent. And there are practical considerations. The time involved, the, uh, the enormous distances... I travel 250 million miles. I appreciate that, but... I want to be frank with you, mister. I mean, Klaatu. Our world at the moment is full of tensions and, uh, and suspicions. In the present international situation, such a meeting would be quite impossible. What about your United Nations? You know about the United Nations? We've been monitoring your radio broadcast for a good many years. That's how we learned your languages. I'm sure you, you recognize from our broadcasts the evil forces that have produced the trouble in our world. Now, surely you I'm not concerned, with... Mr. Harley, with the internal affairs of your planet. My mission here is not to solve your petty squabbles. It concerns the existence of every last creature on Earth. Well, perhaps if, if you could explain a little. I intend to explain to all the nations at the same time. How do we proceed, Mr. Harley? special meeting of the General Assembly, but of course the United Nations doesn't represent all the nations. And then I suggest a meeting of all the chiefs of state. Believe me, you don't understand. They wouldn't sit down at the same table. I don't want to resort to threats, Mr. Harley. So as you listen to this, it's an obvious reality, not only back then in the 50s, but even now in our own reality. So I thought that was cool that this movie itself mirrors a lot of the feelings and the kind of geopolitical stuff that's happening with us right now even. So really interesting that as old as this film is, we're still going through, if not the exact same type of stuff, even more hyper uh, aware type things now because, you know, information is shared so easily amongst everybody. I mean, everybody can feel it. It's not just one newscast that shares a story about a boogeyman now you can get on the internet and hear about the boogeyman all day every day and it can be whoever you want depending on who it is you listen to on the internet or tv or whatever i mean whoever you like or don't like you can find a thousand people out there that get paid to say stuff you agree with so yeah it's it's really trippy to to see a movie like this and to feel the sentiments of people you know almost a hundred years ago and <laughs> flash forward and we're going through the exact same shit I will say this, once I heard this, it made me think of a Henry Rollins quote about this very situation and about human nature and what we think of each other. And, well, here's what he says. Yeah, I keep all my information right here. I don't use any notes, nor do I take a drink of water. And I try not to say um or uh, and I rarely stop talking for very long. You'll see. And I am quite done with the idea of we. 
In America, I don't think we shall overcome. We've had myriad opportunities to overcome. We're not that interested. From 1865 to now, with the death of Abraham Lincoln, we've had many, many chances to overcome. We're just not that into it. I don't think that homo sapiens are we types. We're not a we species. We are we every now and then at games, but we're on different sides of the field. When we vote, we're all together, but in different, in different sides of an aisle. And then we get bored and we want to be individuals again and go home. There's marches where we, the people, we do this, but then everyone wants a bathroom break. Is that is because Americans are bad? No. Americans are put under undue pressure living under this moniker, the United States. The miracle of the United States is there hasn't been a second, third, and fourth civil war as bloody as the first one. 50 countries with 50 different cultures, with 50 different sets of values all getting together. And so for those who don't behave, I think we behave pretty well. But going forward, if you really want the world to be a better place, it is up to you, the individual, to choose to do good things. I can't make you. Only you can make you. So I am done with we, and I am just concentrating on you. What you're going to do now, and what you're going to do with it in the future. We are going down the drain. We stab a knife in the side of Mother Nature and twist it every chance we get. Thank goodness you're making the wars bigger. And I've come to the conclusion that people are basically ungovernable and they're untamable because they are, for better or for worse, individuals. And that's why any governmental delivery system, democracy, communism, socialism, whatever ism or assy you want to use, it's rife with problems. We all can't agree on anything for very long except oversleeping and pizza. So we shall not overcome. You, on the other hand, can overcome and you can inspire someone else to overcome. So that's we. So I'm only interested in you. For me, it was an interesting quote because it kind of took me out of the regular way of thinking and just kind of, I don't know if you would call that like a nihilistic way of looking at things, but more of a animalistic way of looking at stuff, which I've always kind of seen us as, I mean, that's, I, I know that, okay, you know, whatever you believe, politics or religion, all that stuff aside, I'm not here to convince you or care what you think one way or the other because I don't care. I don't want you to care about what I think. But I do feel that we're just as much animals as the the cows in the field, the fish in the ocean, the monkeys in the trees and everything else. I don't think we're too far removed, even though we can think with our brains and use our thumbs and fly planes and all that other shit. At the end of the day, we're just another dumb mammal rocking around this planet. And what do mammals do? They fuck each other up. All the time. From the beginning of time. They're not really worried about peace. Peace is cool, but they also fight every day for what they want. And that's what this quote makes me think of. That's what this movie makes me think of. But you know, here's the thing, right? Uh, you know, if you, if you read the Bible, one of the first stories in the Bible is about killing each other, right? Cain and Abel, we have all know that. Another good example, if you put, or if you've ever been around babies, you put two babies in a room and one baby rattle in the middle of the floor, and they're old enough to crawl, even if they're not old enough to crawl, even if you put two that are sitting next to each other, one's going to grab it. And you know what the other one's going to do? Start grabbing for it. And if you can't, start crying and clawing at the eyes of the other baby. It's just crazy. It's human nature, like it or not. You know, and we can we can walk upright, we can put fancy clothes on, and we can, call, you know, use words like society and all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, you're just another ape, knuckle dragging around here, looking for what you want and what other people have that you might want. You know, maybe you get lucky enough to have a peaceful life, 
but there's a lot of us who don't. So, you know, anyway, that's uh, that's my two cents. That's what this movie made me think a lot about. And that's kind of the genesis of, you know, this conversation and what this Klaatu dude is trying to talk, the alien guy is trying to talk to this government guy about. So the government guy's like, all right, well, you're going to stay here until you can tell us what's going on. I'll try to set up a meeting with all the world leaders, but I doubt it's going to happen, which happens the very next day. Government dude comes back. He's like, yeah, we called up, you know, China and Russia and all these other places, and they pretty much said they weren't interested. There's no way they're going to meet on their soil. There's no way the other guys are going to meet on our soil and vice versa with all these other countries. We just can't put it together. And then he's like, well, you're going to have to stay here with us until we can figure out what to do with you. Well, Klaatu kind of smirks at this or whatever. The guy leaves and locks the door, and he immediately escapes. Doesn't show how, but the guard comes in to check on him, and he's already gone. So, again, you know, Klaatu can hide in plain sight because he looks just like everyone else. He gets a suit from I can't remember where. It's got an address in it. He goes to this address, which I guess is like a bed and breakfast kind of place. I don't know. He goes somewhere to get a room. So I guess they rent rooms out bed and breakfast style kind of thing. I don't know. He goes there and there's a bunch of people that stay there, but I don't know if any of them live there. Maybe I was unsure on what that was. Maybe I missed it. Boarding house. Is that the right word? I don't know. I guess I really actually know what that word means. Well, he walks in, he asks for a room. Everybody's sitting around eating dinner. And this is where we meet our other main characters, female character and her son. And we meet Aunt B and a couple of other people. And this is where we kind of start building our story. So as he talks to them all, they're all talking about the hysteria about the alien because now on the news that he's escaped, all the papers are sensationalized. All the media is sensationalizing all this stuff. Again, mirroring what's going on today is again what they were doing all the way back then. Ever since the beginning of media, that's their job, right? Sensationalize, sensationalize. And so it around the table, you get to see the different opinions of everyone. You got some people that are just like, well, he's here to kill us and take us over and blah, blah, blah. And they just violence, 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 kill, kill, kill. And you have other people at the table that are like, well, maybe we can learn from him. Maybe he's here to teach us something. Or maybe he's here to warn us about something and all that. And then there are other people like, well, I think we should just talk to him and try to integrate him into our society and see what's going on. So you get to see all these different ways of thinking that are your average, you know, levels of concern if this was going on and you were at table uh, like a, you know, on break at work or something. You'd have all these different opinions flying around. And they ask, they ask uh, Klaatu a, a couple of questions and he answers, I mean, he sh- he knows that, he shouldn't just tell him straight off, I'm the alien. But he also, his character in the movie answers things a little odd. Uh, I guess just kind of more to show the audience that he is an alien. His customs aren't exactly the same, even though he looks like us. So sometimes he answers things that give people a little bit of a pause. Like, that's kind of a weird answer from this dude. Like, this guy's a little strange, but they can't quite put their finger on. Oh, also a sign of the times, like the next day, the uh, the the girl who is his interest in this movie... If you can call it that, she's just kind of the other main actress in this movie. And I apologize, I can't remember her name. But she's going out with her boyfriend, and there's no one to watch her son. And they're like, oh, we'll just leave him with this Clatu uh, guy. Of course, they don't call him Clatu. I can't remember. Mr. Carter. Mr. Carter is the name that he uses uh, for everyone there, for his human name. They're like, oh, well, uh, I don't know. I've known this guy for 24 hours, sure. So they end up leaving their son alone with this dude. They have no idea who he is. He seems like a nice guy, but who the hell knows, right? She leaves the son with him, and Mr. Carter, Klaatu, takes the son out, and they go around town, and the son is kind of unintentionally teaching this alien about the human race, the human experience their government and all that because again remember they're in washington dc so he takes them down to the lincoln is it called the lincoln memorial lincoln monument 
Anyway, he reads the stuff on there, and he's like, oh, this, these are quotes by a great man. Like, where can I talk to someone who has a great mind like this? And the kid's like, oh, geez, I don't know. And he comes up with the name of a professor or a scientist or something like that that, that lives close by in town or whatever. And he's like, oh, okay, well, let's go talk to him. And the kid's like, uh, I don't think we can just go talk to the world's brightest mind out here. And he's like, oh, sure we can. So they go to his house. The guy's not home. Klaatu breaks in with his magic mind, you know, alien powers, whatever. It doesn't ever show it, which, again, I think is good because it loses any type of, like, gimmickiness by not showing it. You know, less is more. Less is more. Let the story shine. All right, so Mr. Carter goes in there, and he sees a very complicated math problem on the chalkboard, and he's just kind of shaking his head like, tisk tisk. this won't do. He erases some stuff, changes some stuff on the problem, and checks this guy's math. And, of course, the kid's like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? This crazy. We're already breaking in this dude's house. And now you're doing this. This is weird. And someone walks in on him, and she's like, sir, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm fixing this guy's math. Here's my name and number. Have him call me. This is where I'll be, and I'll meet with him as soon as possible. And, again, it's weird to do that, but him, being an alien, doesn't get it. He doesn't see what the problem is. He's not there to hurt anybody, so why should this be an issue, right? I think that's kind of his celestial mind at work. So some other, you know, kind of stuff happens. We won't go through the whole film, but the scientist ends up meeting with Mr. Carter and Mr. Carter tells him right away, hey, I'm the alien Klaatu. Here's what I'm here to do. I need to talk to someone that's smart, basically someone that's not just going to shoot me every time I move too fast or pull something out of my coat, which, look, I can say that if I was just hanging out in the backyard and some weird flying sauce disc thing flew out of the sky and hit the ground and something jumped out of it and was like, what's up, dude? I would definitely have my reservations, okay? Do I immediately trust the thing that just fell out of the sky, you know, for what it says for face value, or do I? am I a little bit hesitant about it? I don't know if I'd just go right off to shooting it, but, you know, shit. <laughs> a little bit of caution, I think, should be acceptable if that people are nervous, which is uh, one thing that's missing, I think, in this film, is that they're like, that people should have no caution? I, I didn't really get that part. All right, so he, as he's talking to the scientist... He lets him know that he is basically here to tell everyone that he's going to blow the earth up if they don't get their new if they get nuclear bombs in space. He's he's pretty much saying like your your human race is starting to get a handle on nuclear power and nuclear weapons and that's fine and you know the universe doesn't care what you guys do with your own planet. You can manage your own planet, that's fine, but as soon as you start bringing these things to space, then you become a threat to the universe itself and all of us out here who have made different peace treaties and all this kind of stuff and this kind of stuff won't be tolerated so you either agree with us and do what we want you to do or we'll just go ahead and blow the whole earth up and of course the scientist is kind of like holy shit you guys can blow a whole planet up and he's like oh absolutely we can blow a whole planet up (laughs) have you seen gort have you seen my gort it's huge it'll blow your planet up so that is the ultimatum and the guy that plays Klaatu is a very you know sharp-jawed well-dressed uh, kind-faced type gentleman. So when he makes this threat, it's almost like a knife with velvet or, or lace over it. Like, it looks very kind. But what he's saying is, I will annihilate the whole entire human race on the planet. So it is a really weird... It puts you... And that's the thing I like about this movie, is it makes you think, like, what would I do? Which side am I on? Do I agree with this? Do I agree with that? What do I not agree with? What is okay? What's not okay? It throw It turns your head into a fucking blender with all these types of questions when it comes to talking about the whole human race and the planet and all that kind of stuff and the galaxy, you know, like 
uh, it was really good for doing that, which I think a lot of great sci-fi often does when it talks about things like that, you know, dystopian futures and technology and man and the difference, you know, and, and what they'll do to each other or what we're willing to do to each other, you know, to survive and all that kind of shit. So major props to this movie for, for doing this way back before it was a big thing. Also in this scene, I'll say, skirt, big time out here, Claw 2. Look, I understand. This is a, a Cold War era film, right? And it's cool that it's promoting this sort of, you know, pacifist, worldwide cooperation, peace be among you kind of thing. Look, I'm down with all that, right? I think peace, goodwill, that's all hella dope. I want all that. I'm down with some peace. I just want to hang out and eat good food and listen to music and be merry and all that kind of cool stuff. But it's weird that Klaatu says that and then turns around and talks about how he's going to wipe out a whole entire planet. I mean... That doesn't sound like really peace or pacifism. So, yeah, killing for peace, it's just, uh, that sounds like some warmonger shit, if you ask me. I mean, it sounds like the same stuff that he came down here, you know, railing against. And, as, you know, you guys play nice or we'll just kill everybody. How's that sound? I mean, that's, uh, that's quite a stance to take. That's kind of, I don't know, double speak, talk out the both sides of your mouth kind of thing like that, you know. Is that peace? What the fuck? What is the word for that? I don't know. But like I said, it's the kind of film to where it's going to, you know, make you ask those questions. And I think that's pretty cool. I think good sci-fi, other than just your sci-fi monster sci-fi kind of stuff, but this type of dystopian or weird future into the world, into the planet, into the human race kind of sci-fi. I mean, that's what makes it good is that it causes you to think about you know, well, it causes you to really dive into these different morals and ethics of humanity. And to do it well on screen, especially in the 50s, I think is a fucking bang up job they did with this film. But like I said, you know, you can watch the movie, form your own conclusions. I don't think this is by any means a all in or all out film. I think it's an enjoyable film no matter what you think or what you believe. It's great horror sci-fi. It's a great classic. It's an easy film to overthink, and if you want to do that, you can, Or, but I think it'll just make it not fun. <laughs> so, so I would stay away from that and say, uh, just don't. Don't overthink it. Just watch it. Enjoy it. Like I said, it's on every major American top 100 list of whatever for a reason, because it's a good fucking movie. All right, so to move on, one night, Klato sneaks out. And he sneaks out because as he was talking to the scientists... He was basically saying, hey, I can't get all these world leaders together because all they're concerned with is who owns what and war and all that kind of stuff. He's like, so if I could get all the greatest thinking minds together, perhaps I could get your guys ear and you guys could influence those around you and the leaders and stuff to make the decisions that need to be made so that we don't blow your earth up. Because he doesn't want to blow earth up, but he's basically telling that that's what we're going to do if you don't do what we say. So the scientist basically says, well, can you give us some type of demonstration? Other words... He's telling him, hey, no one's going to believe you until you do something crazy. But he's like, I don't want you to hurt people. But if you could do something dramatic but not drastic, I think is how he puts it in the film. And you see Klaatu kind of mulling it over like, oh, it'd be a lot easier just to, you know, blow up North America or something or, you know, blow up a whole entire country or level one side of the earth or something. You think that would get their attention? The guy's like, no, 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 no. You know, don't start killing a bunch of people. Let's just do something to get everyone's attention. So what he does is he wakes up in the middle of the night. Goes out to his spaceship, talks to his homeboy Gort, and goes inside. And this is where you actually get to see the inside of the spaceship. And he's pushing a bunch of buttons and talking some alien code. And that's kind of the end of the scene. But during all this, the kid who was showing him around town earlier wakes up 
and sees him sneak out. So he follows him, sees all this, goes home and tells his mom. And while he's telling his mom, the boyfriend who already doesn't like, you know, the Mr. Carter guy goes upstairs to get him to ask him like, hey, what's going on here? And of course, Mr. Carter's not there because he's out doing alien shit. But he does go in his room and snoop around and finds a diamond. So you find out earlier in the film that Klaatu pays for stuff in diamonds. He says, oh yeah, this is currency all over the universe because it doesn't wear out, it's easy to hold, it's not hard to carry, blah, 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 whatever. And yeah, I think that has its own statement in the film, but you know, whatever, we'll go on from that. So of course, mom doesn't believe the kid, all this kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. The woman ends up getting in an elevator with Mr. Carter, Klaatu, and right at noon, all the power gets cut from the planet. And he's in there trying to tell her like, hey, I did all this, okay? It's true. It's me. I'm the alien. And then, of course, it goes to a montage of power being cut to everything, which gets a little, it's a little long. They, the little montage for that was a little long. They didn't have to play it so much. We get it. But, like, you know, there's no electricity. Cars aren't working. Radios don't work. It's really, it's like the end of Escape from L.A. Remember when he hits the button and power just stops to everything? It's like that. And you're like, well, wait a minute. If you cut power to everything, that's going to kill a shit ton of people. Well, they buffer this by, at some point in the movie... You know, um, Klaatu is saying something like, well, we didn't cut power to like airplanes, hospitals and this kind of stuff, which is cool. But again, like I said, if you want to overthink it, you can say, hey, if you cut the power to everything, not just hospitals and airplanes, people are going to die regardless, depending on where you are in the world, you know. So but again, this alien isn't really cared about taking human life. He's worried about saving human life, which is a odd concept to think about that the two aren't, you know, mutually exclusive. So. That's another one of those kind of deep plot, brain, moral, ethic things that you can dive into in the issue where this alien is saying, you know, I'm, I'm not, it's not that he's there for peace, he's there for the absence of violence. So to think about the phrasing of those two things and thinking about how they're not mutually exclusive is a really strange concept to try to get your head around. I mean, it sounds to me like it's still being done by force, but, you know, like I said, that's, again, you can go down that rabbit hole if you want. All right, so some more random stuff happens, and the end of the story is, if you're going to watch it, I'm going to tell you the end, so watch it. Okay, so Mr. Carter, it gets found out that he is clawed to by the lady's boyfriend, who goes into this weird character, you know, arc of being just, he just wants to be famous, like, hey, I'm about to be a hero, you know, by letting everyone know this is the alien. She's like, hey, look, he's just here to save the planet. He doesn't want any of this. And the guy's like, fuck him. You know, I want to be famous. And it's a weird arc, but it has its place in there. And I understand why they put it in there, what they're trying to say. But anyway, this is when they find out. Klaatu and the girl try to make a run for it. And the whole city is surrounded by the military. They end up finding him and shooting him dead in the middle of the street. Well, once he goes dead in the middle of the street, that's when Gort wakes up. And Gort is not happy. So Gort walks out of the ship, and he's just going to start killing everything. And, uh, and Mr. Carter had said earlier in the film that he has the power to destroy the whole planet. And we still don't really know who Gort is. Is he a part of this alien race? What is he? What's he all about? Why is he so hell-bent on protecting Klaatu? Are they together? What's up? Anyway, the woman goes out there because Klaatu, before he died, he gave her some kind of secret phrase, like at the end of the Babe movie to go up and say to him, so she does that, and the robot picks her up, carries her in the ship, goes out, gets the body of Klaatu, carries it in the ship, and brings Klaatu back to life with some kind of special light beam, you know, alien technology. And of course, the girl in the film, she's kind of freaking out. She's like, wait a minute, this robot has the power of life and death? And the interesting part here in the film is Klaatu says, well, no, the only one that has that power is the Almighty Spirit, which... 
you know, again, you can overthink it. Is this a religious reference? Is this just something to reference in like, oh, this is something that exists outside of Earth, something in the universe that we're unaware of, and that's just what he calls it. We don't know, and it's never explained, which again is cool. It's mystery. It's sci-fi. And after this happens, Klaatu's like, hey, you know, when we do this, I only stay alive for a short amount of time. It could be a little while. It could be a short while. We don't know. So I need to go out here and talk to the people of Earth and let them know what's going down. So he doesn't bother trying to waste his time talking to all the world leaders and trying to bring peace and all this kind of other crap. He walks out of his ship. He's got his homeboy Gort with him. And he's like, look, here's the deal. He said, out in the universe, we have all agreed to be held under powers of peace by creating these police robots, which is what Gort is. He goes, they have all power. They have all jurisdiction. You know, they are the final judge. And their resolve is absolute. And so he says, when any time violence exists or it occurs, these robots fly out to wherever that is and they eliminate whoever was the perpetrator of that violence. You know, so he calls them police robots. So he's admitting to sort of a police state of being, but he also acknowledges like, hey, we didn't say that this is perfect, but we also live in a universe of absolute peace because of these robots. And again, like I said, you can crack this fucking egg open. <laughs> And dissect it, right? I'm sure I'm sure there's been college classes that have debated heavily over this movie and what it means and what it could mean and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, so hey, Klaatu tells them all this, kind of the history of what they're doing out in the universe, what they're doing currently, who these police robots are, and what their ultimate power is and what everyone's agreed upon. And he pretty much says, hey, we can end your entire planet and we will. We don't care what you guys do. You guys want to fight here and be a bunch of animals down here? That's all cool. Do that. But keep this shit inside your bubble. Don't come out to space with nuclear arms or we'll blow the planet up. Because at this point, he's just kind of tired of dealing with them, right? They've already shot him as soon as he got there as he was trying to... Oh, by the I don't know if I said this in the beginning, but the thing that he pulled out wasn't a gun or a weapon. It was actually some type of device to where the president could communicate with other galaxies and solar systems and stuff like that. So it was a tool that he could use to research things outside of earth you know that he could really advance his people and what we do we shot a hole in it and the guy holding it so so yeah he's had a rough go and uh he's just over it he's like all right fuck you guys you know here's what you're gonna do and if not i'm gonna blow you up end of story end of movie and that is straight up the end of it and like i said it's just super interesting and to think about you know if if aliens you think if you were an alien i've thought about this before i'm sure most of us have if you were an alien looking down this planet what would you think? You would say, well, let's see. The ground opens up sometimes and swallows you whole. Uh, sometimes the wind can get really strong and just like crush it, so like tornadoes, stuff like that. Sometimes the ocean will rise up and drown entire continents. Talking about like tsunamis and all that kind of other shit. Pretty fucking crazy world. You know, the, the ground explodes with hot lava every now and then. So it's pretty wild. And then you take the most advanced species that's on this planet and what do they do well they just kind of kill each other all the time they war constantly it's all we ever do it's all we've ever done so yeah if i was an alien looking down i'd be like holy fuck i don't really think we need to go down there i think we just let them do what they're going to do and eventually they'll snuff themselves out so it sounds like to me and the earth will take itself back over whatever who knows i don't know but interesting movie and that is the end of this episode. Again, that is the day the Earth stood still from 1951. Episode 14 of our 31 Days of Classic Horror. I hope you've been enjoying it. I got a couple, I think I'm going to do another multi 
movie episode coming up because I got some catching up to do. But I hope your Halloween's kicking ass. I hope your month's kicking ass. I hope your day's kicking ass. This is just James Overview. I'm here.